I'm Helen Scales. And I'm Shay Rhodes. And this is Earth Unscrewed. This living planet of ours is astonishingly beautiful. But what with deforestation, pollution, plastic filling up our oceans, demand for fossil fuels, toxic chemicals... It appears our daily lives are taking a serious toll on this place we call home. In this podcast, we'll be looking into new sustainable solutions that could fix the problems. And hopefully unscrew the planet. Today we're going to be talking about electric vehicles. So much has developed in the EV space since we looked at them last year. Yes, mostly people have been buying them. According to the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders, sales of pure electric cars went up by almost 160% in July 2019, even though demand for new cars is actually going down. That's crazy. So people are buying more electric cars, but they're not buying as many exactly. uh, petrol and diesel cars. So if you're wow. going to buy a car at all yeah. on the whole, people are going for the really? electric ones. That's pretty cool. And even more than that, it's predicted that there'll be 9 million electric cars on the road by the end of 2030. That's a big, big change, isn't it? And it's, it's coming up. Change. It's not that far away. Well, in the last season, we spoke to Sylvain Filippi from Envision Virgin Racing, one of the teams in Formula E. And if you didn't catch that episode, here's a little reminder of what he's been up to. All five lights are on. Really electrifying stuff. Down the inside, but Lynn is fighting him up to the apex. Victory for Sam Bird. I think it is the future. The whole world should be run on clean energy. Energy. My name is Sylvain Filippi. I am the managing director and CTO of Envision Virgin Racing Formula E team. Those who are listening who don't know about, uh, too much about Formula E, the fact that it's all electric is obviously the main USP, but also um, we uh, only race in city centers because it's a lot better for the fans. Instead of asking the fans to come to us, we go to them, which ensures that we get so many people attending all the races. Ultimately, Formula E is a platform to do two things, to develop the technologies, to make electric cars better, but also to raise awareness and accelerate the uptake of electric cars. So for us, it's really important. The racing, in a way, is a pretext to talk about climate change. And what I'm really passionate about is to talk about the solutions. Yes, I remember him saying the only sticking point was that in order to complete a race, they had to actually switch cars halfway through because the batteries wouldn't last a full race. But that was a year ago, and he was talking about that changing within the next year, right? Yeah, exactly. So I met up with Sylvan again, and I asked him if that's something that they've managed to do. So people rightfully were asking me uh, tough questions at the beginning because they said, hold on, you're trying to prove that electric cars are viable, yet you need two cars per driver to do a 50-minute race, right? So if, if anything, you're highlighting the problem, which was a fair enough question, right? To which I replied, and I said, you're right, but it's a more long-term project. So we said, okay, we, at the time, we could have done a 25-minute race, like many other formats of racing, with one car, and it would have been fine. But we said, no, on purpose, we're going to make it a relatively long race, about 50 minutes, but we're going to need to do two cars to do that, because the battery tech wasn't there. Now, four years later, we can do the exact same race distance at much higher speeds, using much more power, with only one car, which hopefully, you know, instead of me talking a long time about a lot of numbers, it makes it very obvious for people to realize, oh, wow, I'm watching the same race, they're going much faster using more power and it's only one car. So by definition, there's a lot more energy in that car and, and so on. So that was the main target. And uh, yeah, and then we're looking forward to the next few years where um, the roadmap for technology improvement is still very exciting. 
So more energy density, more power density, which means, you know, the components are getting lighter and lighter, more efficient. So, you know, it's only a matter of time before we can make the fastest cars on the planet. So mm. electric cars are very exciting and it does feel like they're moving really quickly. And I don't just mean the cars themselves. <laughs> no, unintended. Like, things are moving. The technology is changing and it is kind of going in these directions that we talked about. It is. And, you know, I think it's, he's, uh, he's made a great point there about how it's a demonstration project, the whole of Form- Formula E. And um, you can see the, the technology maturing and changing. And as a consumer, you can kind of try and buy into that a little bit. I know with Formula One, you know, the cars that they had 10 years ago, what was considered relatively new or different technology 10 years ago is now actually in the cars that we buy. So, you know, I guess it's the best way really of of, uh, preparing the public for what's coming. And clearly a lot of people are also, they're going for it and people are buying electric cars. Mm. Um, How are you feeling about it? Do you think it's still a way off for you? It's still a way off for me. But yeah, I can definitely see that the next time I come to buy a car, the electric ones and the hybrid ones will be on there, even if it's secondhand. Yeah, and I guess I was thinking—I've been thinking about this quite a lot recently about the change we're seeing in electric cars. Thinking about the batteries specifically and how mm. the technology there is also kind of wide open to innovation, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. That the way that we make rechargeable batteries it might well change in the future too. The other thing is, an electric car should last a lot longer in the sense of it's really? got so few moving parts, mm. so efficient mm. that you shouldn't have to buy another one in. I don't know, how long do petrol cars last? Like five years, ten years? Like not that long, really. Well, that's one of the key challenges for me, and that's why I talk about secondhand. I don't think I've ever bought a new car. Yeah, yeah. I only buy secondhand cars. So I'm looking at the current wave of electric and, and hybrid cars and thinking which ones of these are going to be still running five to ten years yeah, yeah. When, uh, when I can actually afford to buy them. Yeah. Um, and that'll be a real marker. I think, and I think they will be. I think there's going to be a great market in secondhand electric cars once they've got the batteries worked out. Mm-hmm. So they might have to be potentially Changed, changed. Potentially, yeah. But the cars themselves are just so much more simple. It's like it's just a simple electric motor, not this crazy orchestrated series of explosions that goes on inside <laughs> a combustion engine. You know, so we really it could be if you're in a lucky position to be able to sort of invest more in a car up front, it should. It, it should, should go pay off in the long much, run. much longer. Another thing, though, that's changed since we last spoke to Sylvan is the new EU regulations, which require all electric cars to have an external speaker attached to them. Yeah, this is the Acoustic Vehicle Alert System, or AVAS, and it actually came into law on the 1st of July 2019. Mm. It kicks in at speeds of up to 13 miles an hour, Okay, and it has to be the volume of at least 56 decibels, which is similar to the volume, apparently, of an electric toothbrush. Right. Okay. But it can't be louder than 75 decibels, which is how noisy a conventional car is. So it's right. a bit quieter than a conventional Somewhere car. Somewhere between 56 and 75 yeah, decibels. Yeah, so sort of toothbrush to car. Um, that's very, what we're aiming specific. at. Okay. Um, but it's these slow speeds, which apparently are the most dangerous. Yeah, no, they, they are supposed to be the most dangerous speeds, though, under 13 miles an hour. One study suggested that 93% of blind and partially sighted people have had problems with slow-moving electric cars. And I can understand where they're going with this. I do think it's a shame, though. I wonder what noises it will be. Like, could it be any noise? Well, yeah, that's the next one. Each, each car, you can imagine there's like a, a special room somewhere in the Mercedes factory where all these people with headphones on going, oh, no, 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 ow, it sounds too tinny. <laughs> Does it have to sound like a car? Yeah, it have to go, <laughs> Could or... it just be like, you know, like ice cream vans? Just yeah, tunes? like a little jingly song. That I might annoy us do that. Much, That'd though. be quite annoying, wouldn't yeah. it? That would be quite annoying. Car coming or some words or something. <laughs> yeah, car coming. Well, do you remember when they first, well, do you remember? No, you probably don't, Helen. 
and I'm guessing you don't remember when cars were first produced um, and allowed to drive on the roads in the UK. <laughs> you might, you've probably forgotten that. It was a long time ago. But actually back then, uh, a man used to have to walk in front of a motor vehicle with a bell. Oh, ringing wow. a bell to alert people to the fact yeah. that it was coming. And these are normal cars, which made pr- presumably a massive a racket. But even back then, people weren't used to it. And that, for me, is the key. When I, when I hear about this law saying that you have to make a noise when it's an electric car, I can understand that, and I can definitely understand that deaf and partially sighted people are going to have difficulty, but actually that's probably because it's a new thing. So it's obviously a big deal, the noisiness or lack of noise in mm. electric cars. But uh, I thought we should also ask Sylvan, being the electric car guy, what he thinks about this new law. And he gave a really interesting response. I'm not sure if I completely agree with it, because if you think about it, there are many, many cars on the road today that are equally as quiet as electric cars anyway. Any hybrid cars at low speed uh, makes no noise either. And a lot of kind of luxury high-end Cars, limousines, whatever, also make no noise at all when they go at low speed. So if you want to be logical in your approach you would have a, a threshold of noise of decibels and you say any car below that should have that noise uh, emitting function, right? If it's better for safety and it makes sense and it saves lives, then why not, you know? And there's another factor which is a, a bit less important than the pollution and the health and all the other aspects I talked about, but uh, noise pollution is also something that is sometimes talked about, not enough, but uh, if you go in big cities, in London, uh, I was in uh, Manhattan recently, if you uh, sleep in a hotel uh, room in New York, the noise pollution is incredible, right? Uh, and if you live there all, all the time, it can be a bit tiring. So there is, a, I think, a real beauty in imagining that we will have clean and kind of silent transport in a city which could make living conditions in the cities much more pleasant for all the residents. I was in China recently, um, and there's one city there where, not overnight, but almost, they replaced all of their buses uh, with electric buses. Pretty much all the taxis are electric. And actually, very few cars on the road are petrol, like literally maybe one in 20 or something. So it's um, a lot of people, big Chinese, Chinese city, and it's very surreal. You see all these people, these huge crowds, all this transport, and you don't hear any noise. And it's very strange. It feels like, like something is wrong. But then you quickly get used to it, and it's great. You can have a quiet conversation, everything is a lot more pleasant, very little pollution, it's just great. Uh, and then you come back to a heavily polluted city, and it's not nice, so... We, we know which way we're headed. It's just a question of making it happen as soon as possible. I think on this show, we talk a lot about sustainability from an environmental perspective. Obviously, that's what we're here to do, to help unscrew the planet or to think about that. But there's also a lot to be said for making our most populated areas much more sustainable for us and our mental health as well, not just from an environmental perspective, but about the people who are living there. Absolutely. I mean, it's ironic, isn't it, that as we've been talking about electric cars, we've talked a bit about smog and pollution. We've talked about noise. We've talked about lots of different ways, basically, in which the technology, the car, could improve on much more than just the environment, much more than the kind of the invisible, the air. We're already kind of looking forward to this uh, brain space that we might be able to create. Yeah, but it is another level, isn't it, of like... Because even we can go from environmental health to to the health of our bodies from what Personal we're breathing health, in. Yeah. But this is the side of it that I guess does get talked about much less of, mm. of the impacts on our mental state. Mental state, yeah. definitely. Um, you know, if, if our cities were 100% electric, the sonic soundscape would be completely different. Yeah, I mean, like Sylvain was saying about being in China, I just that, that's something I... Would never have imagined that mm. silent Chinese cities, but why? Yeah, why not? Really? They've gone electric already. They're already in that experiment of silent mm-hmm. space with loads of people there. 
Well, here's Sylvan, and he, as well, as you might imagine, has a fair amount to say on this topic. That what is really also very silly, if you think about it, what we're doing is that more and more people live in cities, right? Depending on which country, more than 80% of the, any given population lives in big cities. And, we, and what do we do? We end up driving all these internal combustion cars or buses and taxis and so on. In this, so we pollute heavily where people live, which makes no sense at all. Um, because it has now been proven by uh, many reports, including the one from the UN, from the World Health Organization, that actually pollution in cities, including London, including cities you don't think are that polluted, cause uh, 10,000 of uh, deaths every year from uh, lung cancer and all sort of um, heart disease and things like that. So I think overall on the, on the planet, we're talking about millions of people dying from this. And we don't really talk about it that much, uh, but it, it's actually a huge issue. So basically, technology is there. We are hoping to get at a price point parity over the next two or three years. So you'll be able to buy an electric car for almost the same cost as a petrol car, knowing that once you've bought the car, it will cost you almost nothing to run. Uh, electricity is much cheaper. There's virtually no maintenance. And then the idea is to convert all the cars, buses, any road transportation to electric, right? I think it will come quicker than we think, actually, because I think the combination of two things. First, really the technology has been improving and it's been accelerating, right? So, so this next generation of cars coming from Audi, Volkswagen, and all the big car manufacturers coming in the next few years are, are really, really compelling vehicles that are going to sell in the hundreds of thousands very quickly in, in all markets. So that's going to have an effect pretty quickly on, on the total number of vehicles on the road. But there's another aspect, which is regulation. And you might have seen now countries, governments, local districts, and down to cities are now saying, okay, that's enough. Again, for the health of our citizens, we need to uh, stop uh, burning fossil fuels. So you're going to see all the big cities and already banning uh, internal combustion cars. So most of them are 2030, some of them 2035. But some cities we can see are now accelerating and bringing forward that date by about five years because they realize actually they can do it sooner than they thought they could. So I'm very op- optimistic that if you look at London, even in five years' time, which is not such a long period of time, London in five years' time will look very different. You will see a lot of electric cars on the road. A lot of the old vehicles will simply not be allowed to be to be on the road. So uh, that will drive a change. Public transport, like buses, for example, uh, it annoys me a little bit when I'm in London and I can see all these heavily polluting buses knowing that today, the technology today is way good enough to make perfectly good electric buses. And many places in, um, around the world are now replacing their entire bus fleets overnight to, uh, with electric buses because, sure, there's a capital cost to get that done, but then the running costs are so low that actually you get your money back pretty quickly and the health benefits are huge. Today, you can easily make a, a bus that has a 200-mile range or whatever, which is way more than what a bus would normally drive in one day. So it will happen. Yeah, it will just take a bit of time. Thanks to Sylvain Filippi for talking to us again from Envision Virgin Racing Formula E. I was on an electric bus on the way here and it is a much nicer experience. It doesn't vibrate. It's not as loud and kind of, yeah, it just feels much smoother. It's a much nicer experience. But then climate change and and dealing with climate change, yeah, it does have these kind of knock-on effects, doesn't it? Uh, So even though everyone's kind of getting their heads around the fact that there is a climate crisis, it, it, it's it's much bigger than just one or two issues, isn't it? It goes into almost everything. Yeah, and I think this idea of how it's pushing into our 
mental lives. Oh, mm. That's pushing into our, our thought processes and our ways of just getting through the day is maybe something we also don't talk about very much in terms mm. of the environment and, and how to fix it. Well, there are solutions. One study from a programme called Carbon Conversations. This one involves basically group discussions and an activity at the end to do something that helps reduce uh, impacts on the climate. And half the people who were doing this said that this sort of programme has really helped them to face their own personal worries about climate change. And this kind of research has been put into practice at New York University's Environmental Health Clinic. And it actually prescribes climate-friendly actions and group activities to its visitors. Mm. So I, I guess that is, it's just the power of getting people together um, in a room, talking about these things that are worrying all of us, and then doing something little, maybe, mm -hmm. but just something about it. Go out and do some sort of activity together. It calls to mind, I know a lot of people who feel very proactive going and doing beach cleans, yeah. going out and picking up all the bits of plastic and, and the grotty stuff that you find on beaches that ends up being washed there. Small part of the problem, but... You can be a part of that solution and, and you're there with people and people who mm. are thinking the same things as you and worrying about the same things as you. Mm -hmm. And that's really powerful. I once joined a group of guerrilla gardeners. Um, really? And yeah, we weren't, we didn't discuss climate change at all. But what we were doing was it, almost implicitly sort of about improving the natural environment in, in an urban setting and actually growing more flowers for bees and things. So great. Uh, yeah, it was I really cool. It. And you get this great kind of feeling. You're all going out with these little balls of seeds, kind of chucking them into hedges and like any patch of green that you can find. And then obviously, you know, a few months later, you come past and there's flowers under the hedge. And you think, oh, I think that was me. And that's, you know, it's a really good feeling that's great but because you were getting together and it was a social event that's again exactly. kind of like this idea of we're not alone exactly we're all yeah. doing this together yeah um and you know it's not just me doing my one little bit of recycling absolutely it's all about looking after each other isn't it it is yes Aww. isn't that nice that's so nice <laughs> Well, thank you very much for listening to Earth Unscrewed. If you've enjoyed listening to any of the themes on this episode... We've included some links in the description. To follow the incredible work happening at Envision Virgin Racing Formula E, or to find out how to go and watch a race, head over to their website at envisionvirginracing.com. To follow the series, don't forget to subscribe. And please do remember to rate and review us. It really helps us to get these amazing stories out there. Until next time, I'm Shay Rhodes. And I'm Helen Scales. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.